Welcome to Sports Weekly with Ayaz Memon. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Sports Weekly with Ayaz Memon. We've got a lot of action and we've hit the business end of the tournament at the IPL. Uh, we've got some announcements from the world of hockey and there's just a whole lot of football to talk about and we'll be as always joined by Somil Arora. But to get things going, let's take a look at what's happening in the IPL. It's been a pretty close for tournament so far. Uh, while three teams have confirmed their presence at the playoffs, that being the Chennai Super Kings, Royal Challengers, Bangalore, well, that's a surprise, and the Delhi Capitals, uh, there are four teams vying for the last remaining playoff spot. And who's the most likely, as you think, of these remaining four teams? Hello, Mr. Fantastic. Hello, Samil. First things first, you know, let's look at what the irony of the situation currently is. Yes, three teams have qualified, Delhi and Chennai, top with 18 points, then followed by RCB with 16. And languishing in seventh place is defending champions, Mumbai Indians. But they still have a chance. Now, they've got two matches remaining, uh, including one against Rajasthan Royals. This is going to be the danger one for them because we know what Rajasthan Royals did to Chennai Super Kings in the previous game. They overhauled. 189. Mumbai Indians' last match is against Sunrisers Hyderabad. Now that's the advantage. In the last match, playing the you know the team which is bottom of the bottom of the league table, not just bottom of the league table, it's just not got going. Sunrisers Hyderabad have been struggling badly in the second phase. In the first phase, also they were struggling. They had a change in captaincy. David Warner was removed from captaincy. Played a couple of matches here, couldn't get into double figures. Has been dumped from the team and. There's a big controversy going around about what the hell is happening with Warner and Sunrisers as a ball. But leave that aside. Nobody else is making runs. Not Kane Williamson. Jason Roy had one half-decent innings. And then he's struggling. Which has undermined the efforts of Rashid Khan and Jason Holder. Uh, who've been absolutely marvellous. But just not enough runs on the board. A faint hint of what could happen in the future. Some faint positive sense is uh, the presence of Umran Malik. A young 21-year-old from Jammu and Kashmir who played his first match and you know started hurling the ball down at 150k plus and bowled very impressively. So if they retain him in the mega auction next year, they could have a bowler, or we could all have a bowler to look forward to. But to just get down to what I was trying to say about Mumbai Indians, before they even approach or get to the match with Sunrisers Hyderabad, where they have a bit of an advantage, this is a very poor team, and Mumbai will have their net run rate target in front of them. So they know exactly what they need to do to get into the playoffs if it comes to that. But it can only come to that if they beat Rajasthan Royals. And that is going to be the big challenge because Rajasthan Royals have been a, an up-and-down team, very inconsistent, but also very effervescent, very ebullient and very unpredictable. Chennai Super Kings were hammered royally. They were overhauled that score of 189 with two and a half overs to spare. And... Rajasthan doesn't have too many big stars apart from Sanju Samson. You know, the big stars are all missing. There's no Jofra Archer, there's no Joss Butler, there's no Ben Stokes. But what they have is young guys, a lot of enthusiasm, a uh, lot of energy. Rahul Tevatia, uh, Shivam Dube, Evan Lewis, Yashasuni Jaiswal. So they've got all these kind of players who can spring a surprise. Rajasthan have nothing to lose, everything to gain. Mumbai have everything to lose if they don't beat Rajasthan. So that's the scenario where Mumbai is concerned. But technically, there are four teams vying for the fourth place because they're all on 10 points. And I think somewhere the net run rate is going to come into play. 
So Mumbai has a disadvantage. Right now they are placed seventh because of the net run rate being the pure poorest. But in the last match, they have the advantage of knowing what the net run rate they need to achieve to get into playoffs. So, I mean, lots of possibilities still over the next couple of days. But looking at the last team in that lineup is the Punjab Kings. And uh, they are actually at a higher disadvantage, if you ask me, because uh, they've played... Yes, because they played an extra game. Yeah, they've played 13 games for their 10 points, while the others have played 12. KKR have played 13, but have 12 points. And, well, seem the nearest right now, also given the fact that they have a positive net run rate. So all in all, uh, it's there. For- yeah, the only the only thing is uh, the only thing is, Mr. Fantastic, that if Mumbai lose both matches, so Sunrisers Hyderabad is not going to qualify in any case, but it can pull Mumbai down and keep Mumbai down to ten. So Mumbai is out, and then you know KKR and yeah Rajasthan Royals they also lose their remaining matches. Then they remain at ten, and then Punjab can mathematically squeak in into the playoffs, but very difficult, as you say, rightly, because they played an extra match. Yeah, uh, so there's a KKR versus Rajasthan Royals match scheduled for Thursday, which could well turn out to be a knockout game, should the Royals beat Mumbai first. And that's just setting up a delicious uh, final week of the league stages coming up here. Uh, But coming back to the teams that are currently sitting top of the table, we've got the informed CSK who, like you pointed out, did get hammered, but... Well, it's it's also saying, right, get get one bad game out of your system early on or just before the playoffs. So it couldn't have been a bad thing for them. Uh, Delhi Capitals, extremely consistent. And RCB, after stuttering for a while in the desert, have finally found form uh, and not thrown away the promise that they started this season with. So do you think this could just be their year? It could be. It could be because, remember, one of the things which has not worked in RCB's favour, and that's a big factor, and everybody's talking about it on the circuit, is A.B. de Villiers hasn't fired. Now, if he fires in the remaining games, which are so crucial, he could actually, or RCB could finish top of the league table, which means they'll have two chances to get in, to win the title. They have to win the remaining two matches, obviously. And A.B. de Villiers, if he's there in the playoffs and in good form, then that completely changes the complexion of a contest. Because then you'll have Virat Kohli in form, Padikal, Padikal in form, Glenn Maxwell in roaring form, De Villiers in great batting form. So the top order has, you know, just becomes very, very strong. And then you've got bowlers. Yuzvendra Chahal is really, every time he steps onto the field now, he's serving a notice to the to India selectors like, hey, you know, you overlooked me. Look at what's happened to other leg spinners. He's getting wickets in every match. He's been a match winner. He's turning matches around. And then there's Harshal Patel, who I think has been, I mean, in many ways, just been the best player for the for, uh, for RCB. In fact, he's easily the best bowler in the tournament. He's the purple cap holder. Very clever, very astute, very skilled. He's got a hat trick. He's got a hat trick. He's got the most wickets. He's bowling so well in the death. You know, in one match, he defended four or five runs. So, I mean, if they, if they get to that situation where De Villiers, as part of the jigsaw puzzle, start playing like AP De Villiers, then RCB, it could well be there year this time. What? To win the title, they will have to go through Chennai Super Kings at some point in the playoffs. And that record is massively lopsided in favour of CSK, isn't it? 19 wins for CSK, only the 9 for RCB. Uh, so that that's something to just probably keep in mind. And maybe RCB are mindful of that as well. But that's that's still a challenge for a much, much later day. Yeah, but you know, that's a very important point you raised. It's fantastic. Because what matters in such situations and Somil you know, which is vast knowledge of what happens in motorsports and tennis and football. If you've been in crunch situations, the big occasions, and you've conquered them, 
you know what to do more than teams which have never been there earlier. You know, so that could be the difference. Uh, Chennai have been so often in playoffs, you know, 11 out of 12 seasons. I mean, that's a marvelous record. They won the title thrice. Dhoni has been multiple times captain of a champion team, whether playing for India or for Chennai Super Kings. It just makes that difference when you're playing a crunch match. So that could be a factor that RCB have to really start, you know, stealing themselves for and working out the mindset, uh, how you approach such a, such a situation. Well, let's, lo- let's hope that the final few matches really live up to expectation and we do get a very tight finish. There's one spot, four teams are vying for that one remaining spot. Speaking of that, uh, and if you're wondering what's the right mix for your fantasy teams during this phase, uh, just remember all the names Ayaz mentioned a few minutes ago, and those definitely are some of the top performers. Uh, but also look at some of the guys who are coming in fresh at this stage of a tournament. You know, it's been a longish season, a crunched season for a lot of players. So any fresh legs, any fresh minds that are going to step onto the field are likely to succeed. Uh, we saw that with Jason Roy, even if it was just a one-off where he came in and he hammered a big score and, uh, well, took his team over the line for once. But other than that, stick with form as usual and your top picks must include the stars of every respective team that are performing, not just for the star value. Moving on from the IPL, um, let's also talk about women's cricket. I mean, the Indian team in Australia, yes, that was a terrific performance and that century from Smithy Mandana up front what an amazing performance. Absolutely. You know, just such a class act, Smithy Mandana. I mean, the more I see of her, the more I'm besotted by her batting because she's just so elegant. She's very David Gavarish, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, a lot of time to play her st- strokes and silken shots, you know, through the covers, the off-driving. Very easy elegance, very strong, like all left-handers on the offside. Uh, and also scores at a very good clip. You know, she's the kind of a batter who can put your team, put her team into a winning position because she makes runs so quickly. And then there's the counter to her, in a sense, uh, or the other end of the spectrum where the Indian team is concerned is veteran Julian Boswami, who's the bowler. And what a performance by her too. Uh, you know, 38 years old. Smithy's, of course, in her early 20s. Uh, and she just never say that. She's just, just going along. And look at it from a performance point of view. It's an away match. It's in Australia. Uh, hardships of the bubble, etc. And then against a team which is formidable in its own uh, environment, they've just won. Uh, most of the players who played, even in the ODIs, were playing in the Test match. So overall, but for the rain, I think this could have been. This is a model victory for for India in many ways. It could have been a victory in the real sense of the on the, in real terms had there been no interference from rain. Well, two things that really stood out for me during this uh, match. One was Poonam Raut walking when the umpire had clearly said not out. And she could very well have stood her ground, which we know a lot of international players tend to do. Uh, but I think that's just another great advertisement for the whole spirit of cricket conversation that keeps coming up, isn't there? Yes, it is in many ways. But I don't know what R. Ashwin has to say about that. Maybe they should. He should <laughs> maybe you should have a conversation with her and say, hey, listen, you don't walk till the umpire gives you out. Hang on, let me get my can of worms. Let's just open that fully, shall we? <laughs> of course. Well, and the other one was the sporting declaration by the Australian women. Uh, it it always seemed like the match was going to head out to a draw because of weather, but their declaration actually just put a little bit of life into it. Uh, that, that was nice. I mean, they really are 
trying to show that, hey, we want to make a game of this. We want to make this uh, viewer friendly. We want to get more people excited and interested in watching us play. And I think kudos to the Australian team for just doing that. You're right. And I think the Australian team did it. But I think there's a feeling and a strong feeling on the women's cricket circuit that we are not getting A, enough opportunities, B, enough attention. And C, so, you know, when you look at it with all the women cricketers that there are around in the world, and actually only four of them play test cricket. So it's a very small group when you think about it. And therefore, they are fairly close to each other and they're trying to do all kinds of things to make women's cricket top of the mind, so to speak, of spectators and fans. So I think it was a, it's, a, it's a very good gesture. It just infused that much more interest. Otherwise, the game would have tapered off into a, a very dull draw. So there's some interest going right till the end. It's good for the broadcasters. It's good for the fans. And of course, it's good for the players because your competitive edge lasts till the last over. Absolutely. Well, moving on from the cricket... No, no, no. Hang on, hang on, hang on, Mr. Fantastic. I'm not letting you get away so easily. All right. Emerging from the IPL, though it's not about the IPL, is what's happening to the players chosen for the India T20 team for the World Cup. So, I think there is some cause for concern. Let me list some players who have been actually performing below par. That includes even somebody like a Rohit Sharma. You know, he's not looked out of touch, but he's looked not in the usual form you expect him to be and take his team to victory, making the 70s, 80s, maybe even 100. He's also been a little short on fitness. Then... There are three or four other players from Mumbai Indians who are part of the team who are not pulling their weight in the IPL. Hardik Pandya. He's had a couple of decent knocks, not bold at all. And that really upsets the calculation, the combination, the balance of the India, te- India team. You have to then find a, somebody who will give you the sixth bowling option that a captain needs in this format. Big disappointments. Three of them, Surya Prakash Yadav, Ishan Kishan, both in terrific form last season as well as in the first half or the first phase of this season, but just not getting going this time at all. And Rahul Chahar, who actually replaced Yuzvendra Chahal, is not he's not been doing too much. So apart from Jasmith Bumra, you know, the people from representing Mumbai who are also in the India T twenty team are not really looking in peak form. And we are not too far away from the tournament. Just about two weeks to go or two and a half weeks to go. So these are some of the concerns which are arising and then there are some you know, in Ashwin, I mean, he's part of the squad. He hasn't got too many wickets. He's helped Delhi win a couple of matches. He's again not looked out of form. But if he wants to break into the playing level, he needs to start, start getting wickets. The other guy who I find a little, uh, you know, becoming a bit of a bother for the Indian team management, I would imagine, is Bhuvneshwar Kumar. He's not getting wickets for Sunrisers Hyderabad, which is one of the reasons why SRH has been struggling. He's not getting the late swing, which makes him little. And remember... The Indian squad actually has only three fast bowlers. There's Bumrah, there's Mohamed Shami, both of whom are doing well. Then there is Bhuvneshwar Kumar and then Hardik Pandya, who's of course not been bowling. So there's, there's Shardul Thakur in the backups, there's Shreyas Ayer in the backup. But the main squad of 15, there are some concerns. There is no question about it. Well, we called it last week, didn't we? And we questioned Hardik Pandya's uh, involvement for the World T20 given his lack of form. Yeah, and within a week, nothing nothing further is, nothing more further. You know, that's the concern. So it's a it's a growing concern. It was there last week. It's not been alleviated over the other over the next week. So I think this is going to bother Ravi Shastri is already, you know, he flew out last week to Dubai in preparation for the World T20. And I'm sure he and his support staff must already be in touch with uh, Virat and 
Rohit, the captain, vice captain, which is the think tank of the team, trying to sort out. Because remember, the first match that India plays, I think it's on the 24th October, and you want your best 11 to take the park, not somehow string together 11 which may deliver. I don't think that's what that's something they would like. Absolutely. And so speaking of, uh, given the fact that a whole host of Indian players are performing in the same uh countries where the World T20 will happen, maybe it's just worthwhile including them in the squad. I mean, looking at the current India squad, there's a lot of gaps. You called out Ishan Kishan, Rahul Cheher, uh, maybe Surya Kumar Yadav, who's also been found wanting on form. Rohit Sharma might be much harder to drop than some of the others. But if Surya Kumar Yadav can be replaced by Ruturaj Gaikwad, who's in absolutely scintillating form, uh, I think that will probably just make the squad a whole lot stronger. Uh, let's hope that the cutoff date of 16th of October for the final team announcement is utilized well uh, by the Indian think tank and we don't get emotional about the players that we retain for a tournament as big as this. Yeah, so I mean, ICC rules say that you first declare your squad, which we've done, and then you declare backups because these are COVID times, so you need you know sub- supply of players available immediately. And then, of course, you can keep players there. The Indian cricket board is rich enough. Like, we took a more than the backup players to England, for instance, or Australia. And they stayed behind at the cost of the of, of the BCCI. So that is possible. But change of players once the tournament begins, is only it can only come through injuries or illness. You know, otherwise it's going to be difficult. But before, uh, you know, as you mentioned, October 16th, you could perhaps make a few changes. Uh, but the, the ideal situation is for in the last week of the IPL, some of these players we've spoken about, they just re- rediscover their mojo. That would be the easiest solution. Yes, well, the discovering or rediscovering mojo is easier said than done though, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. It's very tough. It's very tough, especially when you're going through a lean trot. To come out of it is not just about, you know, skills and technique. It's all about the mind. The mind and the mind can play tricks, as we know. But let's hope that someone does find mojo somewhere in that desert. Moving on from cricket, it's time to talk about those who dearly did serve India with serious distinction in hockey and have now called it a day. We're talking about Rupinder Pal Singh, talking about Birinder Lakra, and finally, of course, we're talking about S.V. Sunil, the three who have recently announced their retirement from hockey. Uh, Ayaz, your thoughts on their careers? Look, at the end of the day, they won an Olympic medal. And then, then, you know, what can be better than that? And after 40 years, so the joy is double or triple or quadruple, whichever way you want to look at it. So, it's, it's, you have to say that they've capped it off brilliantly. And it, I can sense what happens that once you've reached, you know, there's a sense of relief and a sense of euphoric joy that you've achieved this. And beyond that, you say, hey, what can I do beyond this? So, let me go while I'm on top. As it is, hockey players, unlike cricketers, very few hockey players play till they're 37, 38. You know, Dhanraj Pillai, kind of a person, was an exception, but he was just so supremely athletic and fit. You know, genetically, he was endowed. But most players, hockey players, tend to kind of fizzle out or burn out or finish off by the time they touch 30 or their early 30s. So I think this is a good time as any to go, and we must acknowledge what they've achieved uh, for themselves, for the country. And of course, also for the sport. Well, let's hope they find ways to stay involved in Indian hockey after a much-deserved and a well-earned rest. Uh, these are these are players whose experience can definitely help the next generation to continue and grow Indian hockey. Moving on to another ball game, and this time it's football. And hey, Somil, what is happening around the world of football? There is definitely a lot of shock and awe happening in Europe, I think. 
There is Mr. Fantastic and I am baffled with this last week of football. There is just so much happening and let's, I don't know, let's start with the headline, right? Let's get to the Premier League in a second because over there, there's enough drama to analyze. But the shock of the week, a club called Sheriff beat Real Madrid 2-1 away at the Bernabeu. Okay, let that sink in. But who is Sheriff? So, uh, Sheriff is not... Uh, Sheriff is not a 50-year-old American policeman with a with a big moustache and carrying a revolver around with him. No, that's not Sheriff. Sheriff Tiraspol, actually, uh, are a club in the Moldovan Premier Division. They were founded in 1997. And since then, they have got 19 league titles in Moldova. And now here's a fun fact. Right now, they're topping their UCL group, which consists of Real Madrid, Shakhtar Donetsk, the champions of Ukraine, multiple times, of course, not the past year, and the Italian champions in Inter Milan. These three legendary clubs are being beaten right now by Sheriff in the points tally. And in the Moldovan Premier League as well, they, they've won the league often. And the interesting part is, this is only their first time ever, or the first time ever that a Moldovan club has actually made it this far in the Champions League. And actually has even made it to the group stages for the matter. And they've only been in the Europa League four times. It is just an outstanding fairy tale story. This club... I'll, I'll give you an idea about how uh, how out of touch they tend to be you know, in relation to all the other clubs. When you look at a football club's website, they've got these amazing gizmos, amazing graphics, stats, and everything that you want to know about the club right there. Their website looks, and it genuinely does, you can still go and check it, looks like it was made in 2011. And that's <laughs> how crazy things are for Sheriff. They, they are very politically... I wouldn't say politically influenced club, but they, but they stand for a lot in the Transdiniester area of Moldova, which is, which is somewhat like an autonomous territory. It's the pride and joy of everyone over there. And to see them beat Real Madrid away at the Bernabeu, my word, Mr. Fantastic, everyone was just gawking and all. Well, I took that time to just look up where Moldova really is. And there's a lot of work that needs to happen in Spanish football now, especially that they've lost some of their marquee players and Clubs just seem to be going through a bit of turmoil. And, well, more proof of that is Barcelona, who are now clearly in rapid decline. Is is, is Ronald Koeman still there? Uh, tell you what, he's actually still there. He will be still there, according to the board. And according to the rumours, the board are already looking for replacements. But many of the top names that you would expect to manage a club like Barcelona are saying, no, I don't think we want to go there. So there's that. But the thing is, Barcelona, oh man, they're in a a messy state right now. They lost 3-0 to Benfica in the UCL, 2-0 to Atletico Madrid with, guess who? Luis Suarez scoring a a goal over there. And of course, he mocked Ronald Koeman with a a phone call celebration. To put things into context, Ronald Koeman called him for a minute last year to say him that, well, you're not involved in our plan, so you can go to Atletico. So good revenge in a way. But they last in the UCL, last, not last, but ninth in La Liga in a way. It's just crazy how poor administration is slipping onto the pitch and how things are really going wrong for them. And Real, who also lost their last match in the La Liga, they were down, Real Madrid were down 2-1 to Espanyol. It's just insane. And well, I like the turn of phrase that you use there with Barcelona being in a messy state of affairs. Well done. Moving on from Spain to European battles, PSG has beaten Man City. Uh, The Oil Classico, is that a new thing now? (laughs) <laughs> that's what the times of india said and, and i and i loved reading that headline early in the morning the oil classical it was the oil classical eventually there's no denying that 
But it was a Clásico in the end because Lionel Messi scored his first ever PSG goal and it was a Messi show eventually. Uh, not not the one with the Y in the end, the one with the I in the end. He was just... Not the Barcelona types. Yeah, the, the Barcelona types, that's right. But since then, PSG haven't had a really good time. They lost to Ren, uh, in, in the on the weekend, I mean to say. But coming back to midweek, that was an amazing match. They were playing around. Both the teams were fighting extremely hard. Kind of fun tactical battle that you like to see. But eventually, Messi was able to beat a well-oiled, pun intended, winning machine in Man City. Well done. And... Moving on to Juve, who beat Chelsea in a very hard-fought encounter. Juve are struggling, aren't they? I mean, all, all these clubs, from where they've lost their marquee players, whether it's a Barcelona or uh, a Juventus or Real Madrid, they're all struggling right now. Big time, big time. Juventus are not able to get much done. Beating Chelsea was outstanding for them. They they will cherish that result for a while. and They've been in a hot mess. Only P8 in this area since Ronaldo has gone. So, Juve don't feel like Juve. It's only better for the Italian football in, in general, to be honest with you. But yes, that result against Chelsea was quite superb. But Chelsea made up for this. Chelsea made up for this on the weekend. They won 3-1 against Southampton and they're still, I think, in the lead of the Premier League right now. And what's amazing, Mr. Fantastic, is that we thought that Romelu Lukaku will be their only goal scorer so far this year. We thought that he'd be the one bringing most of the goals, which he is. But we've now got three different players on the on the score sheet in only this past weekend. I think it was Trevor Chaloba, Ben Chilwell and yes, Timo Werner who actually scored a goal. And in total, if I'm not mistaken, that's over 10 players so far this season who have scored for Chelsea in the Premier League. That is some outstanding diversity. Well, they are looking like a team on a mission and uh, they're very quietly doing their job. Well, not so quietly to be honest, but they're not making too much of a hue and cry about who they have, who they miss, who they want. They've put together a squad that's very clear about their role and I have to say hats off to them for the way they're managing the squad right now. Um, Speaking of other supposedly leading English teams, what's happening with United, my friend? They win one in Europe and then they drop points at home again? Uh, I guess we'll have to echo the thoughts that we brought out on this on the Sports Weekly podcast this time last week. United were just stealing a win against Villarreal. They really didn't deserve to, but again, Ronaldo. So that's that's your £500,000 a week coming up to good use. They won 2-1 eventually at the end. A really, really good goal by Ronaldo. And, and that final goal in the 95th minute was a, was a bit of a lucky... Strike through as well. I mean, no uh, full credit to Ronaldo for being there and taking the decision to strike. But uh, it's just one of those things that could have gone either way. Well, that's the striker's luck, I guess. That's Ronaldo. He he brings you that element. But for how long will you rely on Ronaldo? Because at the weekend against Everton, Manchester United said, well, let's just give Cristiano a little bit of well-deserved rest. So, of course, he was on the bench. And many of the top players were on the bench, including Pogba and Fernandes as well. It didn't matter that they came on eventually, because United dropped points to Everton 1-1. And what really shocks me, Mr. Fantastic, is that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer looked happy at the end of the game, at full time. He was smiling. Yeah, I mean... What is this? It's shocking. It's like they're happy to get one point, rather than what they should be chasing is three points at least. And at home... No, not at not at Goodison Park as well. No, no, absolutely. That's that's just ridiculous, to be honest with you. And uh, maybe maybe it's time. Maybe it's time for someone more world class. Because now you can't say that we don't have a squad. You really can't say that we we do have a squad. Maybe it's just 
somewhat in tactics where united are dropping a lot of points well i think uh, solskjaer is going to get a lot of the benefit of the doubt a for the stuff that he's done so far and b for the fact that it's not really a disastrous start it definitely could have been better they should have been four points uh, for the better by now but it's still better than not having any of those uh, earlier results go your way um speaking of on a side note well spurs have won again that should make headlines just for you know the fact that the spurs have won after three consecutive losses uh but the main the highlight event of this weekend was going to be the liverpool versus man city game and what a game that was the first half i think was more about each team way checking the other one out for tactics and what could be and what they needed to do but that second half just exploded into action four goals wow and it was manic every single piece of it was manic at the end of the game normally in a game like this one you end up picking one man of the match and everyone all the official sources everyone involved had to pick two mohammed salah and phil foden both on the opposing sides and my word they they were like magicians or rather like puppeteers in a way is that what you call them they were pulling the strings everywhere salah with the first goal for liverpool which was strange because liverpool really looked toothless in a way in the first half they, they weren't able to make much of it while city was being assertive but salah got the magic he passed it on to mane who eventually got the goal right there then city fought back and phil foden i i cannot believe this mr fantastic this guy is so young but he brings such a level of composure and and there were talks four or five years ago that maybe send phil foden out for loan but just sticking him around with guardiola has just transformed him and what a fight and that yellow card at the end and i want to know your take on this because you of course are an arden liverpool fan was james milner really deserving of no second yellow card on his challenge on bernardo silva at the end i mean he definitely deserved at least a yellow for that second challenge liverpool did get very very lucky there and i think that's really when uh klopp decided it was time to substitute him because he, he was just a little too emotional by that point so uh it could have been far worse had he been sent off uh, because of the second yellow but nonetheless the real action happened after that i mean it was strike counter strike strike counter strike 45 minutes four goals you're really talking a goal every 10 minutes and the pace at which that match went was quite mind blowing uh i don't know what you think but i think that second goal which sala scored was probably one of the best he's ever scored in in a red jersey yes the, uh, 100% mohammed sala is just so good the, the pace he brings on and that is one thing observed by so many experts in this match that sala was conserving now you might say well that's not a bold strategy what if city had scored in the first half yeah hey, whatever but when the moment came in mohammed salah just had that extra burst of energy for mane's goal and for the second one that he scored as well just a tremendous encounter tactically and it is it's evident isn't it we knew that these two teams would be the ones two of the three of course fighting for the premier league how perfect is it that there is nothing to split them up at the end absolutely i mean yes as a as a fan of a team you want to see them win but no complaints yesterday's game or sunday night's game was a bruising encounter and the fact that both teams walked away with a point is is just about fair well that was the breathtaking weekend of football uh before we sign off let's have a quick chat about the upcoming turkish gp what what's that shaping up to be like samil very interesting indeed we've got a brilliant championship fight coming on only the last seven rounds of the season left to go and now this will be fun because Verstappen and Hamilton are still within touching distance of each other in the championship fight 
And Turkey's a circuit where we saw tons of drama happen last year with the rain coming in. Weather seems to be on the normal side, so don't expect too much drama. Like we saw at the Russian GP, by the way, but around them as well, there's a genuine air of confidence that McLaren might burst up because now they, they won on merit at Monza. They really pushed hard and almost got a win at Russia also on merit. There is a feeling that maybe Verstappen and Hamilton might not be the only ones fighting for a win this time. Maybe Lando Norris and Daniel Ricciardo might be right there. And how exciting is that at a beautiful circuit like Turkey, which is a proper driver's challenge at the end? Well, absolutely. Can't wait for that action to unfold. Meanwhile, remember to tune in again next week for Sports Weekly with Ayaz Memon. And this week, go follow all the IPL action because it's getting really, really tense. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for being on the show, Samil. And Ayaz, we look forward to catching up with you again next week.